1: Breaking down Saturday's three-game DFS slate on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Wednesday, December 23rd and we are going to look ahead to the weekend. We've got four straight days of football starting With the Saints and Vikings on Christmas Day, three games on Saturday, a packed slate as usual on Sunday, and then Monday Night Football between the Bills and the Patriots to wrap it all up. And we're going to focus on the Saturday set of games in this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I'm Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR, what's going on?
2: Looking forward to four straight days of football. That's a great holiday gift for all of us.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Just boom, 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 right? Four straight days, a lot of food, a lot of uh, just good time. It's a beautiful time to kick back, relax, and enjoy the football. What we're going to do on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15 is look at the three game DFS slate that we have on Saturday. At this point, season long fantasy football, you pretty much know exactly what you're going to be doing this week. So good luck to all of you in championships. We're going to look at the DFS side of things and. It's a fun slate of games on Saturday. We've got Tampa Bay and Detroit kicking things off, then San Francisco and Arizona in the middle of the day, and then the night game Miami and Las Vegas. And we'll just ruminate on some thoughts here. Derek, the first thing that jumped out at me uh, was actually the quarterback position. Uh, like I, I really don't want to play Matthew Stafford with his injury issues, and that's if he plays. I don't want to play uh, any of the San Francisco quarterbacks no matter who it is who gets the start. I don't want to play uh, either Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota. It's really driving me to Kyler Murray and Tom Brady. And I feel like Tom Brady is going to be very popular, but I'm totally cool with it. And I actually love a Tampa Bay stack with Brady and really any two of his pass catchers. It's an affordable stack and this should be a good matchup with Detroit. Yeah, and maybe you could even stack three
2: pass catchers with Brady because it's a smaller slate. I mean, I think it's possible to squeeze it in that way, you know, run it back with the requisite lion, and then kind of pick your spots in the other two games to round out the rest of your lineup. I wonder Brady versus Kyler Murray, though, if Murray is only $700 more, I think there's going to be enough value on the slate to get to Murray. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if relatively speaking, even though I like you prefer Brady to the rest of the quarterbacks by a wide margin, I wonder if it's going to be closer to an even split in terms of how frequently lineups are built around Kyler
1: Murray and Tom Brady. If you are putting Kyler Murray into your lineups, are you then locking in Deandre Hopkins as well? I think it'd be pretty weird to not play
2: Hopkins with him, but I guess that would give you a pretty unique build if you didn't. And, you know, you got Christian Kirk at just 3800 I know he's pretty volatile, but for that price, I'm definitely intrigued. You could stack up Dan Arnold at tight end. He's cheap at 3200 so... You know, you could do a Kyler stack without DeAndre Hopkins. I wouldn't recommend it in part because those next two options or even that next option is probably going to be under 4k and that helps offset some of the cost that you're going to incur going with Murray and Hopkins in the first place.
1: What do you look at when you look at Kyler and Hopkins? So if you lock those two guys in, where are you going with the next part of your build? Where do you think you you end up going next? And you do but you are able to find the value or the the value, but it becomes an interesting way to build a team when you start with those two guys. Yeah, I
2: think one thing that really stands out is you're probably going to have some significant chalk at the running back position in the form of Jeff Wilson. I'm expecting that Wilson's going to be very popular at 5K, but if you're going to stack Kyler and pass catchers for Arizona, you have to have something on the San Francisco side going the other way. So I think you're going cheap there you're probably going to go a little bit cheaper with your second and third receivers if you were to go uh, Hopkins, Arnold, and Murray together as your stack. You know, you're not going to go Brandon Ayuk necessarily. I mean, if you're playing Wilson, you're probably not playing Ayuk in the same lineup. So I think that's where you start to get that differentiation is that you're you're not running back the Arizona passing game with the San Francisco passing game because there's so much value going down to Jeff Wilson at the running back position.
1: Yeah, and it actually does get to be kind of tricky uh, when you if you do try to put IU Hopkins and Kyler together just because there are so few options, right? I mean, you can get a $7,500 quarterback, $8,300 receiver, and $6,700 receiver in a normal Sunday slate uh, because you do have plenty of other options to fill out, but that's just not the case here, and you start to run into a spot where The guys who you can't get in are just not desirable. The guys who are desirable are going to be too expensive. Uh, At the running back position, you mentioned Jeff Wilson. I mean, he is going to be super chalk, and I think it's worth it, right? I mean, sometimes there's always an argument for fading chalk, but... I just really don't see it with Jeff Wilson. Raheem Mostert now on IR. This team has shown a commitment to Jeff Wilson when Raheem Mostert has been out. And over the last few weeks, Raheem Mostert uh, has had to make room for Jeff Wilson in the lineup. Fifty-one or $5,000 even is the price on a Jeff Wilson. I, I mean, I don't think the argument for fading this type of chalk holds up here.
2: No, I, I don't think it does in this case. And I think one of the things that you really want to consider when you're building – lineups on a three-game slate is the thing that makes your lineup stand out might just be how you handle the flex spot right instead of going with a running back a pass catching running back in that spot you're getting a fourth receiver or even in this case maybe you sneak in a second tight end because that's a really unique combination even if you end up with a lot of chalk up and down your lineup doing something just a little bit different with the actual structure is the best way to get a lineup that really kind of stands out on its
0: own.
1: Let's talk about those tight ends now that you uh, bring them up. Darren Waller is obviously the top tight end on the board at 7,000. But for there being just three games, Derek, it's actually a pretty interesting group of tight ends. We've got Darren Waller at 7,000, TJ Hawkinson at 4,600, Rob Gronkowski at 3,600, Dan Arnold has uh, shown some life over the last few weeks. He's at 3,200. Mike Kosicki could play. He is uh, questionable as of right now. He's at 4,400. I mean, Jordan Reed... Uh, uh, Dalton Smith has uh, has gotten the end zone a handful of times this season. There's like a lot of guys. And then there's also the possibility that George Kittle gets activated from IR and is available for the 49ers at $5,000. I mean, this is, uh, this is like a, a normal-looking Sunday slate in terms of how strong the tight end position is, and we're doing it with just three games. It, it gives you a lot of different ways you can go at this position.
2: Yeah, it really does, and I think because – Waller really stands out over the field it's tempting to go ahead and lock in Waller Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's going to be trickier to do that with Murray and Hopkins if that's your preferred stack but if you're doing something different with your stack Waller should be pretty attainable at that price but I think because there's quality at this position there are a couple other players projected for at least 10 points on DraftKings TJ Hawkinson is one of them that's where that idea to jam a tight end in the flex spot comes from. Plus, you're paying less for a lot of those tight ends than you're going to pay for similarly projected wide receivers. You're going to pay at least a few hundred dollars more for the receivers in that tw- 10 to 12 point projection range as well. Uh, so, I do think a Waller Hawkinson duo in tight end and flex is something I'm willing to do. Mm-hmm. Gronk is absolutely playable at 3,600. I mentioned Dan Arnold before as a cheap option for Arizona stacks, even if you're not stacking two tight ends in your lineup. I think Arnold is fine as a standalone play. Uh, I I think you can play about seven or eight different tight ends on this slate, which is bizarre for... only six games being in action on Saturday.
1: Yeah, that's what we, six teams, that's what we expect to see when we have, you know, 26 teams and 13 games. Uh, we were happy with seven playable tight ends, and we've got that just with the three games and six teams available to us on this Saturday slate. At running back, you've got Josh Jacobs is the most expensive, 6,600, DeAndre Swift, 6,400, and then you start to get to the next group of guys. But, you know, Jeff Wilson isn't the only cheap guy who we could be talking about in a big way here. You've also got Leonard Fournette at 5,500, and Bruce Arians is already out here saying that it's unlikely that Ronald Jones is going to be able to come off the COVID list for this game against the Lions, so it's looking like another start for Leonard Fournette. And then you've got Miles Gaskin also on the COVID list. No word coming from Miami with him yet, but if he's out, Savan Ahmed has been the clear leader in Miami's backfield when he's been healthy and Gaskin hasn't. Both Ahmed and Fournette, I think, are comfortably on the board, and they make me comfortable staying away from both Jacobs and Swift and picking from the rest of the running back group and then paying at the other positions. Yeah, the availability
2: or lack thereof of Ronald Jones will go a long way towards shaping just how popular Leonard Fournette is. It's a great matchup against the Lions. It's one we've been seeking out pretty much all season long for for daily purposes. 5,500 is a steal and I think that might be part of what keeps the Tampa Bay passing game reasonably underutilized not saying they're going to be ignored but I just think if people are going all in on Fournette that's going to leave the receivers and Brady under where they should probably be in this matchup because Detroit's defense is bad in all facets so um, I could see Leonard Fournette becoming the player that you want to fade akin to uh, Mike Davis being the guy we talked about fading on the small slate last weekend you know obviously with a good matchup against the Packers. There was a reason to like Davis, but if the entire field or two thirds of the field is on a player, you have to think about the what could go wrong scenarios at that point. And what could go wrong for Leonard Fournette could be that Brady throws three or four touchdown passes and Fournette doesn't find the end zone. Maybe he carries the ball 15 times for 80 yards and doesn't catch a lot of passes because the other backs in that backfield handle that sort of function. So there's a few ways it can fall apart, even though he's a great play. So I do think you want to be careful if you're building multiple lineups. I'm not convinced that Leonard Fournette has to be
1: in all of them. All right, let's wrap it up with this thought. We've talked about a bunch of different ways you can go, a bunch of different players you can build around. When you sit down to make this Saturday lineup, what's the first thing you're doing? Is there one player? Is there a stack? What is the core around which you will be building your go-to Saturday lineup?
2: For now, it is Jeff Wilson first, then the Arizona passing stack. It's Murray, Hopkins, and Kirk for me at this point. Uh, I'm going to try and jam Waller into that lineup if I can. We'll see if the pieces come together at the bottom half to make it happen. Darren Waller is just a freak. He's yes. so good. <laughs> the fact that Henry Ruggs has been just a downfield threat, not really getting a lot of volume. You know, Nelson Aguilar is just a guy. He's having a nice year for the Raiders, but he's not somebody that's really a threat for targets. And Waller is just a mismatch nightmare. So whether, you know, It's Carr in the future or Mariota or whoever's playing quarterback there. He's their best weapon for now for the foreseeable future. And we saw when Mariota took over for Carr in week 15, Waller was a frequent target. Mariota's good enough to get Darren Waller the ball. So I really like the idea of having Waller because even though tight end is deep, you're talking about about five
1: plus point
2: difference Mm -hmm. in projection from Waller compared to Hawkinson and the other quality tight ends on this slate.
1: Waller feels like the must to me. If there's one guy who I would say is a must... I want Darren Waller. And I have preferred ways to build it. I prefer the Tampa Bay stack, but I could get on board with an Arizona stack. I could get on board with even, you know, trying things out with Josh Jacobs and DeAndre Swift and paying up for running backs. But the one guy who I really want is Darren Waller. And then I look at this Tampa Bay stack, uh, Tom Brady and at least two of Evans Godwin and Antonio Brown running it back with Marvin Jones on the other side. That's a lineup that is starting to sing to me. So I think that's where I'm going to start things, and we'll see how everything comes together over the next couple of days as we get ready for for the three-game slate on Saturday. And hopefully we have you ready for that already this far in advance and ready for the weekend that is ahead. We are going to call it a show for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. We'll be back with you tomorrow, our last show of the season on Fantasy Football in 15, so get ready for that. Thanks so much for listening. Until tomorrow, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.